Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's uh, go to Isaiah 53 tonight, and we want to continue on some things that we talked about this morning. We made the statement that we have to consistently put our trust in the healing that belongs to us through the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. And um, this is so vital because what we're endeavoring to do uh, over the course of these teachings is to get us to think immediately when we think redemption, we don't just think salvation from sin or salvation from destruction. We think salvation, rescue, we think healing, we think victory in every area of our life. Amen. And uh, we'll look at these three verses in the Bible where it talks to us about the stripes that Jesus took, the wounds that he received. Isaiah 53, verse 4. And we'll read verse 4 and 5. And it says, Surely he's borne our griefs. Now pay close attention to the word our. He's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. It's, it's interesting. The word wounded is tormented. He was tormented for our transgressions. Now, why is that important? He went to the place of torment. I don't have to be tormented either presently or in eternity because he was tormented for me. He went to the place of torment for me. And notice, our transgressions bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our or the chastisement needful to obtain our peace, our peace with God was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. The Isaac Leeser translation says, however, he was the one who lifted up our sicknesses and he carried our pain, and we ourselves assumed him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted, but he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his wounds we were healed. Amen. Amen. Matthew chapter 8. Oh, Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16. When the evening was come, they brought unto him, they brought to Jesus, many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, 
which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself took, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. The Matson translation says, he, was, he has taken our sicknesses from us. He has borne all of our infirmities. Moffat says he took away our sicknesses and our diseases he removed. Well, that's shouting ground right there. Amen. Amen. The New English Bible says he took away our illnesses and lifted our diseases from us. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 2. These are the three verses that speak to us specifically about the stripes that Jesus took, the punishment that he received. 1 Peter 2 and 24. Who in his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. One translation says his wounds were the means through which we received healing. The God's Word translation says his wounds have healed you. The ICB translation says we are healed because of his wounds. Now here's something you see over and over in these verses. You see the word our. Our sicknesses, our diseases, our infirmities. Our sins. Anytime that you see the word our, O-U-R, in relation to Christ's suffering, it's referencing the fact that when Christ did that thing, he did it vicariously. All right? He did it vicariously for us. Vicarious means in the place of another or by substitution. So he bore our sicknesses vicariously. He bore them in my place. He bore my disease in my place. He bore my sin in my place. See, Peter wraps this up and puts a bow on it and starts off in verse 24. He bare our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live under righteousness by whose stripes you are healed. Peter ties it up by saying, look, when you were redeemed from sin and eternal destruction, you were redeemed from sickness, disease, and poverty at the same time. Oh, hallelujah. Do you see this? The str- everything that Jesus did to pay the price for our healing, and that's what we're focusing on, our healing and our redemption from sickness, everything he did to, 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 to have that, those were laid on him before he went to the cross. The cross was the place of payment. The sickness and disease was laid on him before he got to the cross. He bore our sickness in his body to the tree and paid the price at the tree. Just like he bore your sin in his body 
to the cross and paid for your sin at the cross. When, when Jesus suffered with the crown of thorns in, in, on his head, it was representative of the mental anguish that people can, 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 can uh, uh, go through, through the poverty that people can go through. But that happened before the cross. He suffered with that before the cross. At the cross, he paid the price for your mental soundness, for your mental completeness, for freedom from depression, freedom from anxiety, freedom from fear. The price was paid at the cross. Whoo, glory. Amen. It's a package deal. Amen. Now, I said this morning, I'm not much of an artist. But Tanya said the fact that I use a whiteboard proves that she's my spiritual daughter. <laughs> she likes to use that whiteboard. I do too. Not, not as, I, I use it a lot in school. I don't, I don't use it a lot in, in church. But these are different meetings. You know, one of the greatest things you can do is interpret the flow of a meeting and, and follow the direction. When I was praying about these meetings, I saw myself using the whiteboard. Now, people say, why is that important? It's important to God. It's important to me. Because because I've got to see something. Amen. Now, so, when you look at this word, redemption, I have my school teacher sitting right here in the front row. So, I'm using all caps. Mrs. Price. Redemption. Now, when people hear that word and we talk about that word, I am redeemed from sin. I am redeemed from destruction. That's great. That's the most important thing. All right? If, if, right? Because I can live a life totally free from sickness, and if I'm on my way to hell, I've lost everything. Amen. Amen. Redemption. Now, we've seen three instances in the Bible, all of them talking about the same thing, that when he went to the cross, he carried my sickness. Is that right? Amen. Amen. So, with redemption then, see if I can do this right here. We have a package The very first one, the very first part of it, salvation from sin. Now, this word salvation is going to be very important. We'll talk about it tonight. So that's the first thing that happened. First thing is, I got saved. Now, but when we say saved, that word saved covers a whole gamut of things. In reality, I should say I was redeemed from sin. Because we're talking about redemption. I'm redeemed from sin. Because what what happened to get me into that slave market of sin? Uh, Right? Adam's fall, Adam's transgression. I was born a sinner. I couldn't change that. I had to be 
redeemed from sin. Right? It's, it's the Greek word that says that the, the, the price of the ransom had to be paid. Right? But I also received salvation from poverty. Right? Because the punishment for my poverty was laid on Jesus. Is there anything that causes more of a lack of peace than poverty? You know how many marriages I've counseled and the biggest thing is money? Right? I'm redeemed from that. Right? How do I know I'm redeemed from that? Because the Bible tells me in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 that you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Amplified Bible says, in that he was so very rich, yet he became so very poor, so that you through, there's the vicarious inference, that you through his poverty might be rich. Where did that happen? The cross. When was the price paid? When did the punishment occur? Before the cross. Because the cross was the place of payment. The cross was the transaction point. Oh, hallelujah. At the cross, the blood was shed to redeem me from my sin. In hell, the torment was laid on Jesus that would have been mine because of my sin. You get it? I don't have to be tormented by my past because Jesus was tormented for my past. That's why Paul could say in exaltation, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. Why? He was tormented for your past. You don't have to be, you don't have to be hostage to your past. Somebody suffered the torment for your past. Glory to God. Yeah, but I missed it today. Glory to God. Then God, Jesus, suffered for the torment of the mistake you made today. Doesn't have to be 50 years ago. It could have been 30 seconds ago or 30 minutes ago. Everything that Jesus did, it is on record that he did it. It is eternally written that Jesus did that and paid the price. Every price that Jesus paid covers everybody's mistakes, everybody's failures. There is enough redemption power in the sacrifice of Jesus to save every person on the earth at one moment of time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Do you see that? Now, hallelujah. So I had salvation from sin and salvation from poverty. I have salvation from sickness. Hallelujah. Why? Because this is what I'm redeemed from. 
our sin in his body. Tormented. Chastised. With the chastisement necessary to produce peace. Bore my sickness in his body. And with his stripes, I am healed. Is that right? When you think redemption, it's got to go here. All of those things. Amen. And, and, And that's why when you think about things that are going on in the world, sicknesses and disease, what comes out of your mouth is I don't mind telling you I'll never have it. Because remember what we taught on this morning? I need to reiterate it. You are healed according to Scripture, right? It is written and it's presently on record that you are healed. If sickness attacks your body, it is an attempt of sickness to usurp authority over healing. I'm healed. Right? What, What do most people you know think? I'm sick trying to get healed. That's exactly backwards. I'm redeemed from sickness. If Listen, are you redeemed from sin? What does that mean? You're saved. If you're saved, are you a sinner? Are you redeemed from sickness? If you're redeemed from sickness, what does that make you? If you're healed, are you the sick? You see what I'm saying? And sickness may try to usurp authority over that healing. Just like condemnation and sin tries to exert authority over your righteousness. But what do you do when that tries to do that? You stand up and you talk about how righteous you are. I don't know what you're talking about. You're talking about a dead man. Or however you answer it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sickness is imperfect because it came under the curse. Redemption is perfection. Healing is perfection. And when imperfect sickness contacts perfect health, it will always give way. Brother Hagin said this. He said, if you want to have robust faith about anything... You've got to constantly talk about what God is doing in you right now. Amen. Amen. So when you're saying and you're, you're quoting the word, making your confession, and you should make your confession. But what is your confession? Your confession is to say the same thing. That's what the word confession means. So what did God say about you? You are healed. Is that what he said? He said, with his, notice, with his wounds, we are healed. Are. Are healed. Is that right? So your confession is that you're healed. So when you confess and you say, I declare today by the power of the word of God that every disease, every germ, every virus that touches my body dies instantly in the name of Jesus. What are you doing? You're just agreeing with what God says about you. I'm healed. And when that disease, germ, or virus touches my body, it must die instantly. Why? Because I am healed. 
Now, but they said this was wrong in my body. It must correct itself because I am healed. I am healed. Yeah, but they found a spot. Well, we can't deny they found it, but I am healed. Right, let, let me walk back here. So, so they found it, but I am healed. What I see there will change because I am healed. What they found will change because I am healed. That part of my body will correct itself because I am healed. See, I don't need, I don't, I don't need any longer greater confession than I'm healed. I'm healed. You can say it this way. I am the healed. I am, I am the healed. But see, it, it requires a change in thought that when I think redemption, I, I immediately think of what I'm redeemed from. Amen. Glory to God. Listen, this is why when you miss the mark, and we've all missed the mark. Hopefully we won't anymore, but we've all missed it. That's why, you, that's why you feel such an angst. Because you know the price that was paid. I mean, that's what bothers me. Right? Father, you paid such a high price. I'm so sorry for this. I repent. Right? But, but, but think about this. <laughs> he bore it. He was tormented for it. So God gets no pleasure in your torment because you missed the mark. Because that's, somebody's paying a double price now. Should you be convicted? Yes. Because you don't ever want to get comfortable with missing the mark. But here's the point. My point is, why does God say, what did he say in 1 John 1 9? He said, if we confess our sin, he is faithful to do what? Forgive our sin and cleanse us from all. Why, why would he do that so quickly? He doesn't want you being tormented about it. Glory to God. Tell your neighbor, God doesn't want you being tormented about your past. Amen. Do you see that? Well, if, if I'm saved, even when I miss the mark, I'm still saved. Yeah. Amen. If I'm dealing with something in my body, I'm still healed. Amen. Yeah, but there's no but. You, you, if you're a man in here, you were just as... A, you were just as much a male 30 seconds after you were born as you are now. Amen. You can't ever be more male than you are. Amen. I mature. I go from babyhood to boyhood to manhood, but I'm no more a male now than I was November 2nd, whatever time of night it was that I was born. Amen. I was there, but I don't remember. 
Brother Hagin would have remembered. But you, you understand why I'm saying that? You will never, ever be more saved than you are. But you can walk more in the redemptive package that you have. Amen. You can understand more about that salvation. The Bible says it's a multifaceted salvation. It's such a great salvation. Remember some of you when you got born again? You might have got born again in a church that just led you to believe that, you know, it was a hard old way. Anybody? You know, it's tough. You got to come up the rough side of the mountain. Here I travel through the world, just a pilgrim, poorly shod. No, right? Well, now here's my point. But then you figured something out. You got in the word. And you found out that's not what happened. You grew in redemption. You didn't get more saved. Right. You grew in redemption. Amen. I will never be more healed than I am. Well, I'll be more healed when I don't have this anymore. No, you won't. Because in the mind of God, it is written and it is presently on record that he bore all of your sin and took all of your diseases. And when he went to the cross by his stripes that he took on his body, you were healed then. So when I no longer have the symptoms or the issue in my body, I'm not more healed. What I am just manifest and drove that out of my body. Amen. You understand? God does not have to heal the healed. I just have to, in simple faith, receive it. Now, don't misunderstand me. God is the healer, but it's, it's a change in thinking. When did I get healed? When I saw the manifestation or when it was paid for? When it was paid for. What do I have to do? Build my faith that it's mine. And what will happen? It will drive it out of my body. That's why I say this, that right now, the spirit life of 1 Peter 2.24 is flowing through my bloodstream, driving sickness and disease out of my body and affecting a cure in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. The redemptive work of healing in your body will instantly respond to an attack of sickness and drive it out of your body. And say, say that out loud. Say the perfect work of redemption, work of redemption will, instantly will instantly respond to any sickness, to any sickness and drive it out of my body. Out of my body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's, that's, now, now let me say this. Let me say it the, the, a good way because I, I, I listen, I want you to understand all of us have dealt with physical issues. Now, thank, thank the Lord. I, I, it's been a long time since I've been sick, and I don't plan to get sick. Amen. Right? But here, here's the issue. 
ever, ever what it is. You know, people say, well, what would you do if you got sick? What do you mean? I would, I would talk about how healed I am. Because it doesn't change. But here, here's the point that I want to make. I, I don't want anybody to, to feel bad or, or any, if, if you're dealing with something. But, but here's, here's, here's the issue. If I'm healed, that's what I am. I'm healed. The price was paid. Right? I'm redeemed from that. Glory to God. I won't ever be more healed. I will walk in it fuller. I'll walk in it to a greater degree. Amen. Brother Hagin said this. He said, I got to the place where I would go for months at a time and not even know I had a body. I used to hear him say that. I think, praise the Lord. Well, what he was saying was I began to operate in this redemption to the point that my body just didn't give me any trouble. Amen. You know, there's nothing in the Bible that says there's things you got to have. The Bible calls sickness a destroyer. Is that right? Now, Am I helping you? Let's look at Romans 10. So it's a better way of saying things rather than saying, you know, we're going to lay hands on you and believe that God will heal you. It's a better way of saying it that we're going to believe for the manifestation of your healing. Amen. Because it's already there. Hallelujah. And, and what you got to learn to do is rejoice in every advance of the healing flow that you begin to walk in. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I used to have headaches and I don't have them anymore. Oh, dance and shout. The, the healing flow has manifest and drove that headache out of your body. Amen. Because that perfect healing flow will correct whatever's incorrect. If there's sickness or disease, something's incorrect. And it'll correct it. Romans 10, verse 8. What saith it? The word is nigh you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith that we preach. That if you shall confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, notice, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him will not be ashamed. Notice verse 13. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Shall be saved. So the word save... Mm, that's, that's that Greek word soteria. It means to save a suffering one from perishing. And then it says, i.e., one suffering from disease to make well, to heal, 
to restore to health. The same word for saved is used in both verse 9 and verse 13. Believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Now again, think about it. When people think saved, they immediately think from sin. That was, that was certainly part of the package. What else was I saved from? Sickness. Because words mean what they mean. And that word soteria means rescue one suffering from disease to make well, to heal, to restore to health. When you got born again, you were unrighteous. Well, what happened? You were restored to righteousness. Amen. Is that right? Well, it's possible to be unwell. But when you get the revelation, you can be restored to health. Now, think about it. Why are we restored to health? What was God's plan in the beginning? That everybody be well. There was we know there was no sickness in the garden. Right? When Adam fell, what happened? Sickness came. What happened? They fell from a place of perfect health under the curse, and sickness was part of it. When you got born again, now look, we we preach this, so stay with me. We preach that when we got born again, everything Adam lost was given back to us. Was it? Well, if it was, then not only was my perfect standing with God given back to me, not only was my right to be blessed given back to me, my right to walk free from sickness was given back to me. I was in the mind of God restored back to perfect health. Amen. Amen. It's a mind shift. And I'm not saying you shouldn't have hands laid on you. Or that we, right? There's healing endowments in this ministry to lay hands on people with heart disease and cancer and see them healed by the power of God. But here, here's the point that I want you to, to understand. Brother Hagen said this. He said that pastors should see more miracle signs and wonders than any other ministry gift. And he said, here's why. Because pastors have the opportunity to teach it to their people all the time. Amen. All the time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, what I'm endeavoring to do is to get us to this place where we walk free from sickness. And people that don't know they can walk free from sickness can come here and get free from sickness. Glory to God. And not just because I'm laying hands on them, but because all of you divine healing technicians know that it is God's perfect will for everyone to walk in health. Hallelujah. 
And so you're laying hands on people on your job. You're laying hands on your family. I had a lady telling me today that she's laying hands on her family. And you know, maybe the results aren't there yet. Yeah, but you keep doing it in simple faith. And God will honor that simple faith in your faith in what he did for you. Isn't that good news? Hallelujah. When he commissioned the disciples and sent them out, he said, all power in heaven and earth has been given to me. Right? And then he said, now you go. Lay hands on the sick. Cast out devils. Freely you've received. Freely you've received what? Freely give what? (laughs) Glory to God. So what should you expect when you lay hands on somebody? Perfect soundness. Not just better, perfect soundness. We only have one instance in the Bible where Jesus had to pray for somebody twice. And it was the man that was born blind. One man that was born blind. And if you study that out, it seems like the environment that he was in, there was a lot of doubt and unbelief. Right. Ha, ha, ha. Isn't that wonderful, though? But notice, when Jesus laid hands on him, can I say this? Everybody that Jesus healed was healed on credit. Because this wasn't finished yet. The price had not been paid. Everybody that was healed in the Old Testament was healed on credit. Based on what Jesus was going to do. Right? What does that show us? It shows us, number one, the heart of our Father, that He wants people well. So, so much that He'll heal them on credit. Amen. But here's the thing. If they were made perfectly whole, and the Bible says that over and over again in Jesus' ministry, that they were made perfectly whole, perfect soundness. In, in the disciples' ministry, Acts chapter 3, what's it say? Peter was testifying, and he says, It was the name of Jesus and the power and faith in his name that's given this man this perfect soundness. Now think about that. The man was over 40 years old and had been at that gate. Who knows how long? He was that way from his birth. Whoo, Glory. But two men came to pray that knew what he had been redeemed from and they had authority to minister that redemption. Glory. And the man said, give me some money. And Peter said, silver and gold I don't have. Now don't, 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 don't try to just you know, gloss that over because we're word of faith. Well, you know, Peter had money. He just left it at home. I don't know that. The Bible doesn't say that. But I know this. I know Peter said silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. See see if you can move. See if you feel better. Try to do something you couldn't do before. Rise up and walk. 
What happened? And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Woo! Why? Because he had perfect soundness. He had perfect soundness. Glory to God. See, what what is missing? People have talked about how power is missing from the church. Power is not missing from the church. And right understanding of our redemptive rights is what's missing from parts of the church. Glory to God. And so when you lay hands on somebody, we're expecting perfect soundness. And what's my part? In simple faith, receive it. Mm. Uh, Galatians 3. Am I helping you at all? My Lord, my time's getting away from me, and I'm nowhere near done. You might just have to hit pause. I... <laughs> I'm going to keep you too late. We didn't have any worship. We didn't even have worship. He's still preaching out of the hand. Galatians 3.13. Now, this is a familiar verse. You can probably quote it by heart. But I want to read it to you from a couple of different translations. The Doddridge translation says, Christ has redeemed us who believe in his name from the terrible curse of the law. Another translation, the EEBT translation says, Christ bought us to make us free because God punished him on our behalf. The ERV says, the law says we're under a curse for not always obeying it, but Christ took away that curse. He changed places with us and put himself under that curse. He changed places with us and put himself under the curse. That's what we read this morning in the book of Deuteronomy. It says if two men are having a a problem and they come before the judge, it says that the judge will justify the righteous and condemn the wicked and that he'll take the wicked and make him lie down before him and he will beat him with 40 stripes. Is that right? Christ was the righteous that was condemned as the wicked and he willingly laid down and took the punishment for our sin and for our sickness. Don't elevate. Now, please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I realize the most important thing is to believe that you're saved from sin. But here's what I want you to see. Don't elevate one part of this package to a place of, of, of a premier place over the others. It's all part of the package. Lord, help me say this right. If you are saved from sin, you should be taught that you're saved from sickness. It is a travesty that there are people that have had such a precious price paid that are born again, that love God, and yet they're going to churches 
that will either not teach that it's God's will to heal or might teach that it might be God's will that you have what you have. My family, that's almost blasphemous. You know, people will say, Jesus took 39 stripes on his back. Well, there was 39 times that they whipped him. But we're told that what was used had nine strands. So every time one lash was laid, nine lashes were given. So if you add that up, that's 351. Why so many? Because there's no disease or no sickness that exists or that can exist that the price hadn't been paid for. If you just look at 39 stripes, at one time there were 39 major diseases in the world. 39 recognized major diseases. Isn't it interesting? that the price for healing was the stripes on the back of Jesus and there happened to be 39 times that he took stripes and there were 39 major diseases in the world. Not a coincidence. We have not taught the gospel until we teach all of it. And you cannot minimize any part of it. There are churches I know that they'll say, well, you know, we're more of a believer's church. We're to make strong believers so we don't so much focus on getting people saved. That's wrong. I looked around the room today and didn't see anybody that I thought might be not born again. But what did I do? I gave an altar call anyway. Why? Because the Lord told me years ago, he said, you need to give an altar call in all your services because you need to prepare yourself for babies. Babies are going to come. S- prepare the atmosphere for unbelievers. Yeah. Well, what's the atmosphere for unbelievers? What do we want them to do? Get saved. Yeah. Well, how are they going to get saved if we don't give them a chance? How shall they believe on him if they've not heard about him? Glory to God. And what do we want them to hear? Yes, that he saved them from sin. Yes, that he saved them from hell. But if you're sick, he saved you from sickness. If you're broke, he saved you from poverty. We're going to preach the whole gospel. Amen. Amen. Amy Simple McPherson that that started the Four Square Church, the Four Square Denomination. The whole idea behind the Four Square was that you taught Jesus as healer. You taught Jesus as baptizer with the Holy Ghost. You taught Jesus as healer of your body. And you taught Jesus as soon coming king. And their mindset was if you did not teach Jesus in those four areas, you have not taught Jesus. Hallelujah. Isn't that good? Matthew 4, 23 and 24. Uh, We'll go through a couple different translations here. You can write them down, write this down or turn there, however you want to do it. It says concerning this, one translation says that he went through healing every kind of chronic illness and every kind of germ among the people. Every kind of chronic illness and every kind of germ. 
So that's why we can say every disease, every germ, every virus that touches my body dies instantly. Amen. Amen. Another translation says, he went about healing and curing each and every individual and collective illness and sickness, disease and pain, plague and distress, anguish and physical malady, epidemic and calamity, and every individual and collective debility and bodily weakness, infirmity and ailment within and among the people and tribe, populace and nation, restoring them to health. My Lord. There's nothing that's not paid for. Mm-hmm. Matthew 9.35. One translation says he taught in their synagogue and preached the good news of his kingdom of love and of the remedy he brought, demonstrating his mission by healing every disease and every sickness. Amen. Demonstrating his mission by healing every sickness and every disease. Well, if he just, his mission was just to save from sin, why did he heal every sickness and every disease? Because that was part of the mission. Amen. He preached the gospel of the when he, when he sent the disciples out, he said, go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. And then what did he say? And heal all the sick that are in that city and cast out the devils and say the kingdom of God has come to you. Amen. So the kingdom is not preached if you're not healing the sick and casting out devils. Because there's no sickness in the kingdom. Under, understand how elementary people's understanding has been. Well, you know, when I get to heaven, I won't be sick. No duh. I'm not being ugly. There's no sickness in heaven. Amen. But what did Jesus pray? Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Are, is there any sickness in heaven? So for his will to be done in my life as it is in heaven, sickness got to go. Because there is no sickness in heaven. Well, I'll either get healed or when I get to heaven. You're not going to get healed when you get to heaven. You're not going to be sick when you get to heaven. Amen. Your spirit can't be sick. See, we got, we got to think different. I've had preachers say, well, brother, the Lord will either heal them here or when they get to heaven. That's cop out. It's cop out. We got to have men and women that don't just have a form, a word of faith theology, but we believe this. And I'm going to lay hands on you, and your healing is going to manifest. Glory to God. I was watching a video the other day. I'm I'm watching my time. I've, I've got about 15 minutes, and we need to pray. I was watching a video the other day of A.A. A. Allen. Now, there are a lot of great healing ministers in the voice of healing. 
But A.A. Allen was who we were raised with. I mean, my, my dad, A.A. Allen was his, his man. Asa Alonzo Allen. And uh, I watched him praying for a lady. And he was praying for this lady and she was deaf. And in the days of the voice of healing, if you, if you listen or you go back and you watch those videos, they dealt with sickness as satanic oppression. Nowadays, it's like we don't want people to think that the devil's got a leg up on them. I'm going to be nice when I say this. There are people that they're not going to get free unless you convince them this is the devil doing this to you. Yeah, but they're a Christian. Okay, but if it's not the devil, then you're leaving the door open that it's God. It's not God. It's the devil. Amen. Amen. Who tries to get you to sin? How, what's, what's the avenue that he uses? Your flesh. Right? Who tries to convince you you're sick? What's the avenue he uses? Well, if you were healed, you'd feel better. No, I'm going to feel better because I am healed. Let's just settle that right now. Yeah, but that weakness is still in your body. I know, but I'm getting strength every day because I'm healed. Amen. You, see, you see what I'm saying? Changes the whole thing. Amen. Oh, God, give me strength. Give me strength. You got strength. You got to start confessing. Your, you got to live in a healing flow. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm strong in the Lord. I'm strong in the Lord. That's why he said, let the weak say, I'm strong. You can't say, I'm strong tomorrow or two days ago. It's right now. When are you strong? When are you strong? When are you strong? When are you healed? When are you healed? When are you whole? When? 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 Right now. I am right now. Amen. Glory to God. 29 years ago this month, September 30th, 1993, I married the love of my life. I became married on September 30th, and I are still married. Amen. Right? When am I married? Now. When am I a husband? Now. Right? When he paid the price on Calvary, you were healed. Amen. He said at that moment in the Old Testament, you are healed. So if you were and you are, when are you? Now. But the enemy uses symptoms in the body to try to convince us that we're not what he paid the price for us to be. Amen. Amen. Now listen, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. So if you're, how, how long did it take you, think about this, to get victory over your past? For some, it took longer than others. And you know what? If you don't stay on guard, that past will still try to show up. You'll make a mistake. And the enemy will say, yep, see, 
You haven't changed. Well, yes, and you have. It's been two years since you made that mistake. You're growing. But he's right there, isn't he? There are people walking around in condemnation in our circles because they're dealing with something. That's a trick of the devil. That's a trick of the devil to have you seeing yourself as something you're not. Well, Pastor, I feel bad because, you know, I'm sick and I should be healed. Flip it. I don't feel bad. I'm the healed. And this sickness is trying to exert authority over my health. I have joy because you... What? When you think about not going to hell, what does that do? Brings you joy. Why are you joyful? Because you're saved from what? Sin. I should do the same thing right here. I should get joyful. I'm healed in Jesus' name. Woo, glory to God, I'm healed. Yeah, but they said you have this. I know, but glory to God, isn't it wonderful I'm healed? Amen. I was talking to somebody today, and we're, I prayed with them about a loved one. And it just came up in my spirit to talk to him. And I said, you know what? If you go up to the hospital and you lay hands on her and she jumps out of that bed completely healed by the power of God, I said, we'll rejoice. I said, but if she decides to die and go on to heaven, we'll rejoice. Because either way, we win. Amen. No, no room for condemnation. Amen. What did Paul say? I know that this will all turn. Is that what he said? They may have said you're dealing with something. Guess what? It's going to turn. Has to turn. Because the healing in your body will drive it out. Oh, I'm almost done. Can you bear with me for two more scriptures? Jesus' ministry was primarily to the Jews, the physical seed of Abraham. And we saw included in his preaching and teaching of the kingdom was the healing and deliverance from every sickness and every disease. Galatians 3.29 it says that if we are Christ, then we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Is that right? Notice Luke 13, 16. I'm going to hurry here. The expanded Bible says this. Jesus had healed this woman that was in the synagogue and she was completely bowed over. You know, this became really clear to me because, you know, I've heard people teach and I said, well, she was kind of hunched over. Well, when I, when I studied this out, I found out she was completely bent over. She couldn't lift herself up, not just a little hunched over. She was bent over and couldn't raise herself up. This became so clear to me. I was at uh, Universal City uh, in Orlando with my family one year. And uh, I was just standing there. It was raining, so I got out of the rain. And uh, I don't know. I was eating something. I don't know what it was. Probably wasn't very good for me, whatever it was. But anyway, I, I looked up in the crowd, and I saw this, this group of people passing by. And there was a gentleman that was walking by, and I noticed his, his head. He was like this. And he was trying to look up. you imagine how miserable that would be? 
you're, you're, you're bent over and you can't lift yourself up? And Jesus said, the expanded Bible says, this woman that I healed, a daughter of Abraham, has been held by Satan for 18 years. Now, now think about that. That settles the issue. Infirmity that has been paid for right. is satanic oppression. Amen. Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, yes, yes. and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So the enemy tries to exert his authority through sickness and disease. But notice, surely it is not wrong. Was it not necessary for her to be freed from her sickness, this bond, this imprisonment on the Sabbath day? So Jesus said by virtue of the fact that she was a daughter of Abraham, it was necessary for her to be freed from her sickness. I am telling you tonight, as a child of God, and an heir, and a joint heir with Christ Jesus, it is necessary that you be freed from your sickness. It's necessary. Hallelujah. I don't know if I've just been teaching healing so long that, that, that I'm finally starting to see what I should have been seeing all along. But I'm telling you, I preached for 21 weeks in healing school about our covenant of healing. I preach now on trusting and healing redemption for nine weeks. What I'm trying to say to you is this. There is so much out there. We just got to access it and in simple faith believe it. Amen. That's a phrase the Holy Spirit keeps giving me. Simple faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There are people, I look over this, this audience, there are things we're believing for with you, with your family, Right now, the redemptive power of healing is affecting the cure. Amen. Let, let me share this story with you. You remember, the, and you may remember the story. If you do, then, you know, repetition's a beautiful thing. Brother Hagin talked about the church that he pastored in the black land of Texas. And he talked about this woman that uh, she was in a situation. Her, I think her husband had died, and uh, she had been... Uh, uneducated and, and anyway her husband died and uh, she would come to church and she had that little that well not a little girl young girl young teenager 16, 17, 18 years of age and, and she, she, she was uh, uh, mentally challenged and he said that little girl her hair was never fixed her dress was never right said you know up 17, 18 years of age she would get on her belly and crawl under the pew to get to wherever her mother was. And so if she had to climb over the, the pew, she'd just pull her dress up in front of everybody and just climb over the pew. Amen. She just kept coming and staying under the word. He just, her mom just kept bringing her to church and had her under the word. And remember the end of the story? He said one Sunday morning they showed up and here was that little girl, perfectly clean, Hair fixed, Hallelujah. acting like an 18-year-old should act, yeah. had her perfect mind. Praise. You know what he said? Nobody laid hands on her. Amen. The Word yeah. 
just kept working. Because the healing, he sent his word and healed them. What's that talking about? When Jesus came as the word, he healed me. So I got to change my faith talk. I'm not believing that so-and-so will be well. So-and-so is the well manifesting their healing. And you rejoice over every step. I'm telling you, you I I remember rejoicing over every victory. When we were coming out of poverty, I would rejoice over every victory. I would rejoice over the fact that that I had extra money to buy a bus pass. I'd rejoice over the fact that I had extra money to go out to eat. Every little thing, I would rejoice that we could pay our electric bill on time. Because every little thing proved something to me. The prosperity that belongs to me is driving poverty out of my life. And I'm going to rejoice over it. You can't take a step of faith if you don't see yourself as what you are. It doesn't matter. When the Lord told me, February 22nd, 1999, he said, that's the last day on your job. The the church here, when when I started pastoring the church, they really, they gave me a stipend. That's what they called it, a stipend. And I'm not being critical of them. That's how they knew to do things. That's where they were. They gave me a stipend of $310 a week. So you do some quick math, right? That's $620 every two weeks, right? So $1,240 a month. Now, at that time, I got a house note. I got a car note. I have four kids that I've got to clothe. Right? And a wife that likes money too. Well, I'm at Blue Cross. I'm making more money than I had ever made. We got a hold of the law of giving and receiving. Amen. And God was working for us. Well, now I'm stepping off my job making exactly three times less. Not a little less, three times less. Thereabouts. Maybe, maybe twice less, two times less. But here's the point. I already knew I was prosperous. Amen. I already had it in my spirit. Them that preach the gospel live the gospel. Settled the issue. Well, I stepped off February 22nd, 1999 and have not looked back. No, have never held another job. Will never hold another job. Amen. Why? Because the workman's worthy of his hire. Is that right? The prosperity in me is stronger than the poverty that wants to take it. Because I have a perfect prosperity. Poverty is imperfect because it's under the curse. Anything that can be defeated by redemption is imperfect. The curse is weaker than the blessing because the blessing will always overcome the curse. Prosperity is stronger than poverty. Because poverty is under the curse. Healing is stronger than sickness because sickness is under the curse. And anything contained in the redemptive package will overcome the curse. Hallelujah. Mm. I'm redeemed from every sickness. So my point in saying that, that's how you got to talk. 
the healing in me is stronger than the sickness trying to take it. Hallelujah. See, does that make sense? And be cautious about what you say you have. Well, I have this. I have autoimmune disease. I have this. No, I have healing. And my healing is dealing with the autoimmune disease. Amen. See, you're not denying anything. But you're saying it in true terms. I'm standing here tonight. I can't deny that I'm 316 miles from my wife, but I'm still married. As I get closer to Little Rock, I won't become more married. Does that make sense? As you gradually feel better, you're not getting more healed. You're just getting a greater manifestation of what you already are. That's why you'll, you'll see, I've, I've seen things before where people would, would suffer a disease and, 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 and they would go through a trying time with that disease and, and I've seen this over and over again and their hair would go white. Now there's nothing wrong with white hair. But I'm saying, a young person, they, their hair would go white and then when, they, when that healing would manifest, the color would come back to their hair. Amen. Well, what's the Bible say? The word will do. It will renew your youth. So, so what is your barrier against the problems of old age? I'm redeemed from that. Yeah, but pastor, what, what do you expect? I don't know. I was 40 years old when we came to this border the first time, and now I'm 85 years old, Caleb said, and he said, I'm just as strong today as I was then. Now, either the Bible lied, or he was just as strong at 85 as he was at 40. So it's really not a bad thing when people say, I know how old I am, but I think of myself as 25. Keep thinking that way. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, don't, don't put me in the old man category. Don't do that. Yeah, but you, you, you're getting older. Well, so are you. We're all getting older. But just because I'm getting older doesn't mean that I have to start manifesting sickness and disease that the world says is connected to age. I mean, I've showed you that from the Bible. Moses walking up the mountain to die was 120 years old. And the Bible says, yet... His natural force was not abated and his eyesight was not dim. Oh, and by the way, he had been walking around a desert for 40 years. He was 80 years old before he started his ministry. What was that? Wait a minute. Was he under redemption? 
No, but he was Abraham's seed. Amen. Right? If they could do that on credit, what can we do when the price has been paid in full? Glory to God. Let me hurry. Hallelujah. If you need prayer for your body in any area tonight, any, in any area, any sickness, any disease, any pain in your body, heart trouble, cancer, internal issues, joint issues, if that's you on any score, come to the front tonight. Let me pray for you if you want, if you want me to pray for you. If you don't, I'm, I'm fine with that, but come on up. Come on up. I believe God.